Well, good morning, Hope. It's good to see y'all. Welcome to summer, right? We're finally getting there, and we're good to, good to go out and enjoy the weather and all that. It's been a little hot, but uh, as one who grew up in Texas, this ain't hot. So uh, just enjoy what we've got. Let God uh, just wash over you. It's been a great day already, and I, I just believe God is stirring something in our hearts this morning to grow in Him, to put our confidence in Him. And I want to encourage you to, to open your Bibles. We're going to dive right in this morning. If you brought your Bible, turn to 1 Kings. We're taking a little detour out of our series on the Holy Spirit, the Giver, uh, just for a couple weeks. Got something very special next Sunday. Let me just tell you, next Sunday, uh, Pastor David Williams, uh, David and Selena, God brought them to Hope Church from Sierra Leone, and uh, he is a uh, creating and establishing his ministry here in uh, the U.S., and uh, we're going to have a, a special ordination time next Sunday to recognize his ordination as a minister among us, and you don't want to miss that. I might even wear a, a tie. I'm not going to have a tie, but I'll wear at least a jacket next week, all right? We're going we're gonna to get a little serious here, but it's going to be a, a great time. Uh, quick update, because I totally forgot last week, and I'm supposed to do it the first Sunday of every month, and I forgot. Thank you. Way to go. You're awesome on the, on the building fund. Uh, we've raised $50,000 in four months uh, and uh, paying it down. So uh, just keep going. And uh, God is doing great things in that. First Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 11. We're going to have a lot of scripture this morning because I want to tell you a story. And the story is about a man named Elijah. You may recognize his name, a prophet in the Old Testament. And what we're talking about today is, is how God wants us to have a plan to press through, to, to press through no matter what the circumstance, and to move forward in life and move forward in his strength and his power no matter what we encounter on this earth in life. So, so pick it up in verse 1. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel. And, you know, if there's Jezebel in the story, it's not good. Can I just say that right now? That's why you don't name your daughters Jezebel. It's just not one you want to have to explain to everybody. Ahab's not so cool either, okay? So Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Off with the head. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went out a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Anybody ever had a really bad day in here before? You just, just like, I'm done. Forget it. It's over, right? He laid down, fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And we all said, hallelujah, right? Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank. And then lay down again. He was so down. He just like, thank you, I'm going back to sleep. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days, 40 nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Father, 
this morning. God, I, I just have this word you've put in my heart, God, that, Lord, we, we just want to let out this morning, God. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd help me to just, uh, God, back up. God, just back away, Father, from anything that would, uh, God, take away from your power and your glory. God, we're not here with fancy words or, God, uh, neat tricks, God. We just want the power and the glory and honor of our God evident in this place. So, Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. Will your spirit would speak to us through your word this morning. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Elijah, you would think that his life was pretty bad. In fact, if you read this little passage of Scripture, you think, man, he is just having a rough, rough time. But what you have to understand is Elijah had just come through probably one of the greatest experiences with God you can ever imagine. In fact, he had just come off of of this great encounter with God where God showed up in power and everybody was just in awe of what had taken place in that moment. I mean, it was one of those moments in life that we have a hard time relating to when we read the Bible, but it's, it's one of those moments where you've experienced something so good. You're just like, man, it cannot get any better than this. I mean, some of you, it's that, it's that day you said, I do, and for some of y'all, that's been pretty recent, and, or maybe it's the birth of the first child or the graduation, finally, from college, and you're like, this is awesome, it can't get any better than this, and yet, life has a way of kind of undercutting some of those events and bringing us to a place where we find ourselves pushing away from God and pushing away from the very things that are good in our life. And if we're not careful like Elijah, we can find ourselves in a, in a cave just kind of feeling bad and sorry for ourselves and forgetting what God had already done for us in our lives. You see, here's the difficulty we find in the Christian life today. And that is that we have this great calling, every one of us, every one of us, every single one of us has this great calling in our lives of, of adventure in Christ, to be his witness to be his hand extended, to to be the healer, to be the the one that comforts, the one that encourages, the one that builds people up. And we have this great calling, but yet life has a way, if we allow it, of overwhelming us. Things don't always go as we plan, and, and because of that, we find ourselves sometimes defeated, discouraged. And if we're not careful, we will cloister ourselves away from the very people God has called us to minister to and to love and have relationship with. Here's Elijah. We, we sometimes forget when we read the Bible, these are real people reading about. In the New Testament in James, it says that Elijah was a man just like us. He was human. He was, he was used by God, but he was human. Never forget that, people. When you read the Bible, these are humans. And Elijah had just come through this experience. He had just seen God do mighty things. I mean, it, it, again, here, here's his story. He's a prophet of God. He, he's being used of God. God spoke through him very recently judgment on Israel, and and because of that, he spoke, and he said, it's not going to rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and then Elijah, during that time when the drought was so bad that it was just, there was no food, we can read his story and see that God sent birds to feed him one time. The raven showed up at the brook at Serapheth, at at the Kareth, I mean. He, He was supplied food by a widow who was about to just take her last meal and say, God, just take me home, and, and he, he was used by God to do a miracle. You can read the story in 1 Kings where he prayed and the oil and the, and the bread just kept multiplying and multiplying. God used this man mightily. I mean, just now coming off of Mount Carmel, this great encounter where God showed his power. In fact, go back to chapter 18. Let's just see a little snippet of what had just happened. 
It said in 18, verse 36, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. Now, now get the picture. What's happening is there were the prophets of Baal who was a false god. He, he was a god that, that they worshipped him with child sacrifice. Uh, it was horrendous, the things that, that took place in the temples toward Baal. But Israel was beginning to chase after other gods, and, and there were these prophets of Baal. There were 450 of them, and they came to kill Elijah because Elijah was the prophet of God, Jehovah. And Elijah said, okay, boys, let's have a contest. I'll tell you what. Let's see whose God is real. And he created this altar, both of them did, and they, and they, they made the altar strong and big. They put the, the bull on it. They put the wood on it. And, and Elijah went even so far that he says, you know what, just to show you how, how big my God is, I want you to soak that altar with water, with water until it's running off. So here's, here's Baal's altar all set up perfect. Here's Elijah's. He's got everything else, but it is just doused in water. And then Elijah prays, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel. And that I'm your servant. Prove that I've done all this at your command. In other words, I'm not showing off, God. I'm just doing this because you've told me to. Verse 37, O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Guys, it doesn't get better than that for a servant of God. To have God show up, it's like you're witnessing to somebody and they're having a hard time understanding who God is. And you're like, God, uh, could you just like make it thunder right now real loud? Or, you know, give me a lightning bolt or something and shazam, there it is, right? It's kind of one of those moments you're like, yeah, my God's got my back. You know, he was used mighty by God. But yet here in chapter 19, we find him discouraged, distraught, I would say even depressed. He was having what I call a Mount Carmel meltdown, you know? It's just something that, that we all can experience at different times. Because check this out, and I want you to get this in your, in your mind just to understand what can happen in life. And then we're going to talk about how God leads us through this. Often, it's going to be interesting, often after great victory, the level of temptation and intimidation increases, and our tendency is to withdraw. Many times, after you've just come through something great, what happens? Life, life changes a little bit. Maybe there's a struggle. Maybe there's a, a conflict personality-wise. Maybe there's just this, uh, this attack from the enemy of our souls, and our tendency is to withdraw and, and, and back away from the things of God. He said it in verse 4, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I mean, think about it. He, he's not alone in this. In fact, throughout the Scripture, throughout history, we've seen men and women of God hit these places. We're like, God, I just don't know if I can go on. I, I forget, God, what you've done. I love the story in the New Testament of the disciples. Jesus had just performed this amazing miracle. He fed the 5,000. You remember the story, at least if you grew up in church, maybe old Sunday school here. They, they grew up, he, he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And afterwards it says they gathered up 12 basketfuls of bread and fish. And the disciples go out on this lake. And they're like eating the fish and the bread that was left over from the miracle, right? And a storm comes up, and what do they do? They're like, God, where are you? You've forgotten us. You've abandoned us. We're going to die. They, they totally forgot. He was the one that just multiplied the bread and the fish, and they're, they're forgetting what God had done. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Elijah thought it's over, but can I tell you something this morning? Listen, 
if your heart is after God, if your life is pursuing Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, there is nothing in life that is over until God has said his final word about you. Because you see, we've got to get our focus back on the one who's always been and always will be faithful and true to his children. Listen, gang, we serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who is greater than anything we face. And we serve a God who will go to great lengths to get our attention off of ourselves and back on to him. Here's Elijah. He's hanging out in the cave. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm just going to go eat worms. I mean, he's just, he's down, right? He's, I'm done. God's, God's not good. I'm just, I'm just tired. There's, life was not supposed to go this way. She wasn't supposed to leave me. Child wasn't supposed to get sick. My career was supposed to be more than what it is. My parents are supposed to still be here. He's got all this thought going on that it's just done. And God speaks to him. Verse 11 says, go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Listen to this. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? How many know that when God's asking a question, he's really not looking for an answer? Did you get that? He, he is omniscient. He kind of already knows what's going on. But he wants us to do something. He wants us to, to, to answer in a way that, that acknowledges our need of him. Because here's the thing, guys. God may get our attention, but we've got to choose to come out of the cave and listen to our Lord. And he doesn't do it with wind and earthquakes and all these mighty things. He speaks to us in that gentle, still voice that makes us have to listen. See, the Lord is calling all of us. He's called all of us always. In Revelation, we read the words of Jesus, said, Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone answers, I will come in and have fellowship, have relationship with them. You see, God is calling us out of the cave so we can, be become, so we can become what God created us to be. Listen, gang, the, the, the work of God is continuous in us. When we are saved, we are changed. The old is gone and the new has come. But guess what happens? We still have a lot of old junk in us, right? And the word tells us that God over time sanctifies. It's a biblical word. He changes us from the inside out. He grows us in a pattern, in a path. And we've got to recognize that he's doing that because he's restoring the beauty of his creation that sin messed up. And he's calling us out because he wants to restore us. He desires to revive our lives, our marriages, our families, but we must come out of the cave and receive his grace. Not that we deserve it, not that we earn it. It's grace. It's his blessing to us because the world is waiting for the church, for believers in Jesus Christ to come out of the cave and hold out the hope of Jesus Christ. But if we stay in the cave 
and I'm talking to some of you this morning, if you stay in the cave, if you allow yourself to stay in the cave and you're like, I'm not listening, I'm not going to, no, I don't want to hear what God has to say. If we stay in the cave, we will be driven by fear and we'll be overwhelmed by circumstances that are out of our control and we'll find ourselves living in a cave of discouragement, even depression. We will go so far that we will literally get into that place where we get so down that we feel we can't even hear God anymore. Can I tell you something? Maybe you haven't learned this yet. There's a lot about life that is out of your control. Can I get a witness of that? And it drives people like me nuts because I like to be in control, right? But there's a lot about life that's out of control. If you don't believe that, young couples, have a kid, all right? It's just there's a lot of things you cannot control. I love, I love meeting Christians that are formula Christians. You know, A plus B always have to equal C. I raise my kid in church. They sing the songs. They're going to be these little angels the rest of their lives. Yeah, right. There's this thing called teenage life, okay, that just messes up everything. But guess what? The Bible says that his word never returns void, all right? And what we put in them, God will bring out in his time. You see, most of us have found the cave of discouragement from time to time in our lives. And for some, it's hard because our theology leaves no room for that because some have this theology that if you serve God, everything's just going to be like, you know, tulips and roses and buttercup. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, life is just good, right? But we forget we live in a sin-cursed world. It's pretty doggone messed up. But in the middle of that, God doesn't change. God never has changed. Early in our history at, at Hope, uh, I, I know what it is to be in this cave. I know what it is to go into that cave. In fact, it was in our second year of existence, right after we had, we had launched out Center City Church from us. Those that were with us in that time, we, we walked through a, a diff, I walked through a difficult time personally. It was a time where, where Denise got very, very sick, and we spent a long time in the hospital. It's a time that our team had started going out because we were sending them out to plant other churches. It was a time, all of a sudden, I found myself very, very alone. And I walked into a cave, and I just said, God, I'm done. I, I don't like this. Life's, life's not turning out the way it should. And I know what it is to, to find myself almost covering your ears to God and God's trying to speak to you and you're like, I don't even know if I want to listen. Because God, if this is the way it's going to go, then I'm not even sure that you are who I think you are. I remember walking through that time and it was during that time that God taught me something through this story that I want you to see this morning. Because church, this, there are times in all of our lives that we will find ourselves in a cave of discouragement. And we need to quickly move out of that because if we don't, it leads into a cave of depression. And I'm telling you, church, when you go there, God is still calling out. But I'll tell you, it is a hard place to be. Now, we're not talking about clinical depression, about chemical or hormonal. Listen, there, there are things in our bodies that are just messed up. Can I get an amen to that this morning? Uh, you know, if we were all perfect, I'd be six, four and a half hair. There you go, all right? There are things that just don't work the way we think they ought to be. What I'm talking talking about is this consistent heaviness or sadness or blues that isolate you, get you alone. See, the devil likes it when you're alone. He really does. If you can get the, the metaphor that's used in the New Testament that, that Jesus is the shepherd, we're the sheep of the flock. I don't know if you know a lot about sheep. My dad was a veterinarian. I grew up around lots of animals. Sheep are stupid. 
You don't see sheep at circuses. Can I tell you that? There's a reason. They're not the brightest animals in the world. They can't be trained. They were made to be sheared and eaten. Boy, I just lost the PC crowd on that one, didn't I? Mary had a little lamb. It's just not going through your head right now. But sheep have a tendency to wander. And when they wander, it's the sheep that wanders away from the herd that the wolf eats. Okay? And that analogy works in us because when we get into this place where we are isolated, that's when the enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. Elijah was classic. He, he, was, he was full of fear. He was full of resentment. God, I'm the only one left. He felt guilt. He was angry. He was lonely. He was despondent. He had walked into the cave by some choices that he made. How, how do you get there? I want you to write these down this morning. How do you get into the cave? And then we're going to flip this thing. I'm going to tell you how to not get there, how to stay out of it, all right? Because I've walked into every one of these. The first one that you do if you're going to walk into this cave of, of discouragement or depression is, is by focusing on your feelings and not on facts. Focusing on your feelings and not on facts. Verse 10 said, I'm the only one left. What an exaggeration. Church, listen, when we start getting in our mind, our vocabulary, always, never, only one, no one else understands me, blah, blah, blah. All we're doing is we're exaggerating what we are feeling. I mean, no, we are emotional beings. Do you know that? Some of us are more emotional than others, right? But we are emotional beings. Because I, I would, I've got a very good truth for you today, and I need you to, I need you to get this into you, all right? We've got to realize that just because we feel something doesn't make it True. Let me say it again. Just because we feel something doesn't make it true. Nobody likes me at that church. I'm just isolated. Nobody wants me, my friend. Oh, when you show up 15 minutes late and you leave five minutes early, nobody can even know you. I mean, God's supernatural. We're not. Okay? We can't focus on our feelings. Listen, Jesus never called us to get in touch with our feelings. Come on, let's all hang out and sing Kumbaya and see who's had the worst life. No, he's called us to get in in touch with the truth because it is the truth that liberates. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that says, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You see, we got to move from our feelings to the facts. And that's what Elijah, he, he just walked right into it. I'm the only one left. He's going totally emotional. Then he entered into the second phase of walking into this cave, and that was he began to have comparisons, faulty comparisons of himself to others, right? He said, I am no better than my ancestors. I, I'm just, man, we are just a bad bunch. It just never has turned out well for any of us. I learned a long time ago, comparison is a bad thing, all right? There is always someone better than you at something else. If you don't believe that, watch American Idol, okay? There's always somebody who is better than you, and there are a lot of poor people that have never listened to anyone say that says, sweetheart, you can't sing, okay? So you just got to get away from comparisons. Oh, if I had their marriage, oh, man, it would be so, so good. You have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. You understand that? Man, if I was raising their kids, oh, they just, they behave so well at church. It's just awesome. You don't know how much they've threatened and bribed them on their way to church to say, you will behave or you will die on this day, okay? 
Oh, if I just had their job, man, if I had their job, I lived in their house, man, we'd be, we'd be having it going on, right? Listen, don't compare your weakness with someone else's strengths. Because if you want a comparison, there's only one comparison we have, and that is we come up against Christ, and all it does is it humbles us and says, oh, we need him. We need him because we are unworthy. We, we mess up. We sin. We, we judge people. We do all these things, and we compare ourselves with Christ, and we, all we can say is, Lord, we need you. Forgive us. And it keeps us in that humble place. Listen, faulty comparison is not a good thing. Neither is a third thing, and this is what, what Elijah did, and that is false blame. He began to blame himself for his own problems, for his nation's problems. He said, look, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, God. I'm sorry. I couldn't convince them to do what's right. I mean, we blew up the altar, but still, they're, just not, they're not getting it, God. And, and he was taking on himself this responsibility he was never called to bear. This is going to help some of you out this morning. Listen, you can be responsible to people, but you can't be responsible for them. Now, I've got to give it an account to God for all of you rascals, all right? That just kind of comes with the whole pastor gig. But I learned something a long time ago. I'm not living your life. And I'm not the Holy Spirit. All I can do is lead you in truth, pray for you, encourage you, hunt you down sometimes. You've got to take responsibility for what you are responsible for, and that's your attitude, your heart, your outcome. Listen, when we blame others or our circumstances, we're staying in the cave. What's my daddy's fault? It's my mama's fault. If I was raised in that different household, it wouldn't be like this. Quit blaming things that you can't control. And get a hold of responsibility that says, I've given my life with Christ. I am a new creation in him. The old is gone, the new has come. I now am responsible for putting my trust in him and letting him lead my life in spite of my circumstances. And ultimately, the fourth thing is he lost focus. They're trying to kill me, Lord. It's, it's done. He forgot what just happened. Listen, gang, we have short memories when it comes to God. But God is in control whether we feel that he is or not. He's in control when, when, when we feel like everything's turned and we feel like we're, we're abandoned. He's still in control, and we've got to keep our focus there because one thing I've learned over the years, we have very, very short attention spans, and we have very, very little patience in God. That's why it's good to read the Bible. Go back into the Old Testament, read some of the stories. There are men that we consider heroes now that got one glimpse of God, one touch, one verse, one word from him, and all he did is for 40 years going after that, never hearing anything else. 40 years just going after what God told him the last time. And we're like, God, if you're not speaking to me every second, then Lord, I guess you just don't care. No, we got to get our focus on the fact that God is in control. Here, here's, here's my theme today. We're going we're gonna to turn this into some very positive steps to help you. And you're going you're to be able to take this and, I believe, have a great life following Christ. And, and, and it comes out of this quote that Scott Miller threw at me in a meeting the other day. And I said, i gotta find, I got I to write a sermon around this one quote. I never thought I would ever quote Mike Tyson in my life. I'm just going to be honest. Not a great theologian. Pretty, not, pretty much unstable guy, okay? But he, he said this. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Think about that for a second. We have a lot of plans if life goes accordingly with the way we thought it should. I'll grow up, I'll go to college, I'll get married, I'll have kids, I'll have this. We get punched in the mouth. We don't have a plan. We fall back. We're like, I don't know what to do. 
I, I honestly don't know what to do, but the church, God gave us the plan. And the plan's right here in this story about what he did for Elijah to get him out of the cave. There, there is something that God wants you to see this morning that is so practical, but it's so powerful if you just follow this when the plans don't go the way you think you ought to do. In fact, here's the cure, all right? The first thing God did, here's Elijah. He's in a cave. He, he's, he's down on himself. I'm, I'm bad. I'm, oh, God, please just kill me now. I mean, all that thought. And the first thing God did is he poked him with an angel and said, listen, get something to drink, get something. The first thing is this, take care of this body. Take care of your physical body. Listen, gang, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, you're a temple. Would you do that? You never thought of yourselves that way, but you're a temple. This body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when this body is not rested, come on, Sabbath, anybody? When this body is not fed, can I get an amen? I get a little grumpy when I'm not fed. When we've not been given a chance to relax, what happens? This part of the body goes haywire. We start thinking all these stupid negative thoughts. God, I'm the only one left. Kill me now. I'm no good. Take care of the physical. Come on. I'm talking to some of you young men in here that are working yourself to death. Been there, done that, had the career, worked 1,200 hours of overtime my first year. I get it. But can I tell you something? It's going to buy you a house you don't even live in. It's going to put a bigger rock on her finger and she's going to despise you. There is more to life than stuff. And we've got to get that into our spirits, all right? Some of you are like, I like the rock. No. <laughs> the rock only came because you love him, okay? Don't get jealous of someone else's rock. So... Take care of your physical needs first. Or be like my wife, run over it, and then you have to get a new one. Uh, number two, I'll tell that story another time. Maybe that leads to the next point. Give your frustrations to God. I'm, I'm getting some therapy out of this. This is good. I'm getting, like, release. This is awesome. Give your frustrations to God. Don't, listen, don't talk to others about the issues as much as you talk to God. Can I help a few of you in here? God is not on Facebook. And some of you are airing some stuff on Facebook. You need to stop. You need to stop. Because you're just like, on Facebook. And guess what? Everyone reads that. And then you're at church, you're at work going, I'm a Christian. I'm, this, I'm just like, yeah, right. Give it to God. Now, I'm not saying it's not good to talk to somebody. I praise God for John Norris. He's, he's my counselor. We sit and talk every week over coffee and bagels because that's his gift, and it's a blessing to my life, and we need people in our lives like that. But listen, we need to talk to God more than anybody else because when life goes, goes bad or the plan goes away, listen, we need to learn to pray through that. I love what the Bible says in Romans. It says the Holy Spirit will pray through us with groans that cannot even be uttered when we don't know how to pray. When I got in that cave, when I got down, when I got discouraged, I didn't know how to pray. My only prayer was, God, this stinks. But I knew to grab hold of what had been my life, and that was to buckle in and say, God, 
I don't even know what to say, but I need you. God, I don't know what to say, but I need you. We gotta give our frustrations to God. And then we just gotta be happy with who we are. Be yourself. Be yourself. There's only one of you on the planet. And we all say praise God for Justin, right? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. God broke the mold. We're good. You're special. You don't need to be somebody else. You don't need to compare yourself to what's airbrushed on TV or on a, on a magazine. You don't need to compare yourself. to Be yourself. God created you uniquely on this earth, and he will use your uniqueness to reveal the uniqueness of him to somebody else. Listen, gang, I get it. I, I've been in this ministry thing for 20-something years now, and I've got friends, man, they are like the charismatic pied pipers of pastors, right? They just walk into place, everybody falls on their knees and gets their life right with Jesus Christ. I'm a CPA that God called in the ministry, okay? God bless me, all right? Pretty much boring, all right? Just life has to be certain ways. But you know what? I think God called me because he knows that nerds need Jesus too. So there we go. So we've got to be ourselves because we have unique spiritual gifts. We have unique passions. We have unique abilities. You can do something better than somebody else. I don't care if it's tying a bow. You have unique personality. You have unique experiences. And God wants you to be happy with who you are because you are his creation. We are his workmanship, the word says. Created, knitted together by him for good works that he's already planned in advance for you and I to do. So we gotta, we gotta love ourselves. We gotta be happy with ourselves. The, we gotta be ourselves. But then the, the quickly with that, we gotta learn to forget ourselves at the same time. Because if we're gonna be healthy, we can't get so caught up in self-worship that we forget that the God is the only one who's worthy of worship. And we gotta give him glory and not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. In, in the midst of my cave, I actually sought out a friend who I knew had struggled through some things before, and he said, I want you to go talk to somebody. This is hard for me, okay, because I'm the pastor that, in his young days, said, I don't think depression's of God. I think that, you know, more people are in Prozac than are following the Holy Spirit, and I just don't think we should have depression in the church. Can I just share that with you? Because if maybe you've been hurt by a young pastor sometimes, we do grow up, okay? Give us, give us grace. And I went and talked to him, and he was an older guy, and looked like what you thought a counselor would be, right? I'm thinking, I've never been in an office since I was in high school. So I'm coming in. And I sit down, and he says, tell me your story. And I start laying it. I'm just like Elijah, blah, blah, blah. Well, this hasn't gone right, and this is hurt, and da, 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 da. And these were his very words to me. Forgive me if this offends anybody. But he says this, so, your life sucks. Which Bible character do you want to whine to today? Preacher. That was a short counseling session. You know what? He was right. You see, you got to forget yourself. So much of what we bring in is a preoccupation with self and not on God. So we need to do this, and that is cherish his presence. Wait on the Lord, the Bible says. You will renew your strength. You'll rise up on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. We've got to learn to cherish God's presence, to step out of that cave. Listen, circumstances change. People change. But God does not change. 
Listen to this, Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. If you're going through a time where you find yourself in the cave, get into the presence of God in worship. Get, get, get away from the crying your beer songs and put some worship on, all right? And let God fill the atmosphere around you. Get into a church that values worshiping God that's not just trying to put a concert on, but wants you to come into the presence of God and let him come around you. Let him mold you. Because when you come into his presence, all of a sudden you find his peace. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. There is a peace that passes understanding. Because you see, until you come into his presence and value what he's done for us, you can't take that last step. We're going to wrap it up here, and that is let God refresh his vision of you in your life. Punch refresh. Let God remind you who you are. Let God remind you what he's doing in you. Let God remind you of what he called you to be and to do. He said, Elijah, get out of the cave. I can't talk to you in there. I'll send the earthquake. I'll send the wind. I'll even send fire. But listen, I'm not talking to you until you step out to the edge and you're ready to listen to a still, small voice. You see, Elijah had things to do. He was about to pass on his anointing to the next generation. There was an Elisha that was waiting for Elijah to mentor him. What a tragedy that would have been if Elijah had just stopped in the cave. Because you read about Elisha in the Bible. He did some pretty cool stuff. Get out of the cave because there's some young people. Listen to our older crowd, our more seasoned crowd today. Get out of the cave because guess what? We have newlyweds. We have new mamas and new daddies that need somebody to look at them and say, it's okay. They, they, they do that kind of stuff. I was, I was in Burger King this week. I was coming back from the mountains, and I'm about to get my Coke, you know, and a little kid runs up in front of me and starts doing the fill up the drink, drink it, fill up the glass, drink it. And this mom's horrified. She's like, oh, and she's like, I, I'm so sorry. I said, I raised, I raised three of those rascals. Believe me, it only gets more fun, okay? So this is not bad. You can handle this. Wait till they don't come home one night. Okay, there you go. So Carry it to the next generation. Let God show his power through you. Elijah, there's a chariot of fire waiting on you to take you to heaven. But you're not done yet. You're not going to get there until God says it's time. So hopeless, get out of the cave. God, God did not create you to live in the cave. Take care of yourself. Get, get the word of God and you get around people. Because God wants to do some amazing things in and through your life. You, you may be here this morning, you're like, Pastor, my cave is so deep, I don't think I can, I can't even see the light. There is one who created light who wants to invade your presence. But you can't sit in the corner like a spoiled child saying, well, if you want me out, come get me. No, he, he's been coming after you the whole time. 
It's just your hurt has overwhelmed your ability to hear. That's where I was. And you know what I found? I found the day I can almost take you back to the time. This went on for about a year. It was kind of hard standing in front of you guys just kind of trying to make it happen. But I remember when it, I remember when it broke through. You know what I didn't get? I didn't get God going, what was wrong with you, jerk? How, how could you have thought that? I don't even think I can use you anymore. What I got was this. Come. Come unto me all that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and gentle soul. You'll find rest. You see, our Heavenly Father has a love for us that cannot be matched on this earth. He wants to put his arms around you. And he wants to let you know again. He wants you to feel his heartbeat. Say, God, I'm I'm, going to follow you. Why don't you bow your heads this morning? Father, you're awesome. God, you give us more grace. God, we don't understand what that means. Lord, we know this. We need it. God, I'm praying over your people today, God, that, Lord, you would awaken us to your voice. You'd remind us of your goodness. God, you'd show us your strength, God. Because, Lord, when we are weak, the Word says this, you are strong. Father, I, I, I just know you stirred my heart to preach this today. So, God, you do your work. God, I've, I've done what you've asked me to do. God, if there's anyone here, Lord God, that's struggling in the cave, God, let them see today there's a way out. God, if there's anyone today that feels themselves being drawn to that cave, God, let them see that there's a place to stop it, God, and to turn, and God, let you do your mighty work in them, God. Father, if there's one today, God, that, Lord, their whole life has been a cave, God, and, Lord, they've they've never opened their heart up to you, God, to receive, God, of your your goodness. Maybe, God, they're a, a child of abuse, or, God, maybe they've just gone through rough relationships, God, but they've never called out to you. Let today be the day, God, they call out to the one who sent his son to die on the cross for us and rise from the grave and has promised them new life. So, Father, help us today. If you just stand to your feet this morning, we're going to be ministered to in a song, and then we're going to respond to God. I don't want you leaving. We have something very special at the end today. We're going to respond to God. and Just, just go ahead and bow your heads again. I, I just, we, don't, we don't do altar call here, but we respond to God. I just have this deep feeling. There's, there's somebody here today. You need to respond. You need to step into God. You need to step out of that cave. He has promised to help you. He will do it. So while we let this song minister to us, while we prepare ourselves to respond, just have that conversation with God that's very real wherever you are. You, You can get as real as you want to. My prayers were raw.
during that time. I, 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 I laid it out. God, this, no, oh, I, I don't like this. God's not afraid of your humanity. He sent his son to die for it. And he fills your humanity with his spirit. And his spirit sets you free. So Father God, help us. God, we're about to come and receive communion to recognize what you did on the cross through your body and the blood of Christ. God, we, we are going to come, Father, in a moment, Lord. There may be some that need prayer. We're going to have, we're going to have prayer pastors down here in the front that will pray over you. There, there may be some here today, you just need to go to the cross and, and say, God, I'm sorry. Let me lay this down and, and receive what he will do in your life. But whatever your response is, be real with God today because he wants to be real with you. Let this song minister to you. And let's respond.